ask them who they are. <laughs> Hello, it's very nice to see you all in the vast spaces of the Littleton. Um, I'm sorry we're in such a big space, but it's, it's lovely of you to come. And it's my pleasure to introduce to you um, five people who have a vast experience, actually, not, not simply in what is called regional theatre, and that's a slightly awkward phrase, isn't it? Especially if you come from Scotland originally, um, where there is a national theatre. Not this one. Um, it, but we're going to talk about theatre outside London, and we've got people here who, uh, of course, are engaged in theatre outside London, but have, in their various ways, always been engaged as well with artistic events in the capital, so they know, as it were, both sides of the question. Can I just um, begin at the other end? Jim Byrne is um, now... Is it Chief Executive Artistic Director? Chief, Chief Executive. Live Theatre. Chief Executive. Chief Executive in uh, Live Theatre in Newcastle upon Tyne, uh, which is enormously successful, as you know. And then I'll jump... No, I won't, actually. I'll, I'll come straight through. Um, Emma Rice of Knee High is next. Uh, then Giles Croft, Nottingham Playhouse. Um, Rachel Tackley, English Touring Theatre, and next to me here, of course, is David Thacker of, at the moment, the Octagon in Bolton. But all of them have a kind of backstory, which uh, encompasses all kinds of national companies and enterprises in the theatrical world. And what I want to do before we get into a conversation with them all is to ask a terribly simple question and to ask them all, which is very difficult, to be very, very brief about it, but it might get us going. And the question is a very simple one, and it's what are the advantages and disadvantages of being involved in a theatrical enterprise outside London at the moment as we speak? Jim, since you're... I mean, let's just do it along the line, because okay. it's the obvious thing. So we'll start in the northeast on Tyneside, okay. um, where, I mean, your whole enterprise there has been so successful for a very long time. But just address that question in a minute. I sound like Nicholas Parsons. In a Parsons. minute, yeah, it does. Um, well, my saw today is 19. Are you on the radio? Anyway. In a minute, and no deviation. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantages are that um, you have to pay actors more than you do in London, rather ironically. Um, uh, there are lots and lots of advantages. We, we're a new writing producer, so we, we do new plays constantly. That's what we do. And... Um, and in fact, we did the Pittman Painters, which arrived on this stage uh, a few years ago. Um, and we're able to prepare and nurture artists and, and, and writers' work in a way that would be much more difficult in London. We can sort of protect the writer and, 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 and the play and prepare it better, I think, being outside of London. That was an admirable beginning. Um, I shall ruin everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Emma, can you uh, follow that and just say, I mean, you're very much involved in touring. Um, what are the pluses and minuses of not being in the West End? Um, well, Nehi is a Cornish company, and the simple pluses, I think, are focus and calm. I mean, the landscape is beautiful. We work at the end of the world, and we often say that we don't look inland. There's not much point. Outward, outward lies the way. So we see ourselves as a, a global company that looks outwards through the, the foot of England. Um, when we're in Cornwall, there isn't even mobile phone signal. We just get together to make work. We eat together. 
We, um, make, we have to light fires to stay warm. We've got everything in our barns there. So there's a great focus. Nobody's thinking about the next job. Um, my guys, a lot of them don't work for anybody else. And a lot of our audience don't see other theatre. You say to them, do you go to theatre? They say no. And you say, do you see knee-high? Oh, yeah, we see knee-high. It's, it's almost a, an art form and a sort of community of itself. The disadvantages, um, I sometimes miss an a, a artistic community um, to feel more engaged with other artists and making work. It sometimes can feel very isolated, especially in the winter <laughs> down in Cornwall. It can be very bleak. <laughs> OK, the winters in Nottingham, Giles, aren't quite so bad. <laughs> um, Nottingham Playhouse, pluses and minuses. OK, um, the pluses are the complexity of the audience, their willingness to take a risk, um, the vigorous, creative life of the young people in the city from all sorts of backgrounds, and the opportunity that we at the Playhouse can offer them to give an airing to some of that work, not always uh, putting money, but sometimes just handing over space, uh, which makes it a, a really stimulating and creative environment. Um, I think the other advantage is that there is absolutely a community of artists in the region that yeah. we connect with, and though you might not have a repertory company, you certainly have a group of people who appear in either plays or as directors or lighting designers or designers or writers who... Uh, create a, a world within the organisation. Without wishing to sound like John Humphreys, what's the downside? I was just about to tell you. Right. <laughs> uh, the downside uh, is, there's one very particular downside to Nottingham, which is you can't get out after 9.30 in the evening. Uh, uh, unless you're you driving. You can't get out. There's no train. <laughs> no, right. There's yeah. no train. So it's very and difficult. Why should you want to get out? Well, you only if you're, only if you're travelling, you yes, if you're totally travelling right. to see the work. Yeah. So actually, it's quite hard for people to be yes. seen. A physical but, problem. Yeah, yeah, it's just quite simply people who work with us. You know, it's harder to get critics to stay over. It's harder to get people to come up and see the work uh, because they can't yeah, get a train yeah, back. Yeah. Um, it's that sense of slightly being cut off, yeah, I mean, even though you shouldn't be. And the other disadvantage uh, is that uh, funding is far more volatile because we're also dependent on, on the local yeah. authorities. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that, absolutely. Rachel, you see it from a touring perspective. Yeah, I mean... I'm What's going on? I'm, I'm lucky because English Touring Theatre is, um, although we tour to, to the regions of yeah. the UK, we're based in London, in fact, I, um, yeah. you know, it took me three minutes to walk here. Yeah. Um, so I have all of the advantages and all of the disadvantages, oddly enough. Um, the advantages of working regionally, certainly touring regionally, are actually the different audiences that you get to meet every single week. And the, the kind of joy that it is when you take something new to people you haven't met before mm, and mm, who's, mm, who's, mm. who may not have seen your work before. It's not the old lags you get here, for example. Absolutely, none of those <laughs> Nobody kind, here you know, is in that. cynical old witches. Yes. Um, it's, so that's, that's joyous, well, yes, indeed. Yes. Although I think 60-40 with Okay, right. right. Um, and, uh, and I think the, the disadvantage is, is... And probably the elephant in the room, I think, is getting people to work outside London, um, particularly on tour. Um, and by that I mean performers mostly, but occasionally creative team members... And when you're what? up against the might of and the attraction of London. Right. Well, we'll come, we'll come back to that. David, um, in Bolton, 
you've worked here, you've worked the RSC around the place. Everyone here has got London experience and an experience outside London. How long have you, five years? Yes. Yeah. What's, what's going on in Bolton, pluses and minuses? Well, I find it, Jim, very difficult to answer the question in the following sense, that uh, I had a wonderful time working at the National Theatre, yeah. at the Royal Shakespeare Company, and also being director of the Young Vic for 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and I've also worked in seven regional producing theatres. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I see it in terms of anything to do with geography, to be right. honest, what the advantages have been or disadvantages. But if I to try to be succinct about the octagon, for me, the wonderful advantages are, first of all, that that theatre was created by the people of Bolton um, with an incredibly... Um, imaginative local council at the time in 1967 who created this wonderful theatre space which is was then and still is now yeah. the only flexible theatre space so from a director's point of view I love being able to direct plays in those yeah. spaces but in essence the thing that I love most of all is that the audiences are almost it's like a virgin audience in, in the sense that we can do a play like we've just done Long Day's Journey tonight and people come with great hope and expectation. There's not, a, not an ounce of cynicism in terms of, oh, I want... And, and actually, what they want to do is to be affected and moved and challenged by it. And so we, that's great for me to have that experience with an audience that believe it's their theatre. Well, I want to ask you for the downside, because that's a very good point at which to throw it open. Because, I mean, what you've all said in different ways is... Uh, not just because you have to say it, but you're obviously quite uh, engaged and optimistic about your audiences, and you feel that there are things going on there. Um, it is, Jim, is it about community, and that's what David's really saying, that there's a community there which will get behind you if you deal with it as a, in many ways, as a community enterprise. Yeah, I think uh, if you're running a regional cultural organisation, it doesn't really matter what kind, that you are engaged politically, you, you, you know all the politicians, you'll know all the leaders. For you're better engaged, or worse. For, yes, all of that. And, um, uh, and you're engaged with, with your audience and your different audiences as well, the people that come to your bars and restaurants as part of your community, the people that come to the education programmes are part of your community, and the people that come to see the plays, are, are, and the artists that come and work at your place are, are part of the community. And, and, and in a way, I think our jobs are to nurture that community, to make, to make the organisation stronger and more embedded in the city in which, you, in which you live. The more communities you have around you, the stronger you are. And then when the recession comes and blows, you're more likely to withstand it. Well, uh, we don't want to just get into a boring thing about austerity, although no doubt it will poke its head up. But Giles, you, you've got a situation in Nottingham where you're doing what you do at the Playhouse, but there's also, of course, a great kind of touring enterprise that trundles through the city, you know, sometimes doing wonderful stuff and sometimes not wonderful stuff. But, you know, it's, uh, are they two different audiences? And how do you cope with that? Um, there are quite different audiences. There are occasional crossovers. If the National Theatre comes to the Theatre Royal, which is the commercial touring yeah. house, then some of our audience will go there. Uh, but uh, you know, there are clear distinctions, and this is something we didn't believe for a long time, but we've done a lot of research. And, is that a uh, problem or an opportunity? It, I think that we saw it for a long time as an opportunity, um, but actually the reality of it is that, that quite understandably, people go to the Theatre Royal for different things. 
They go to see a star. They go to see yeah. a piece of commercial comedy. Or and do you find touring. that they try to take one identity or the other? Um, However much you try to stop them. <laughs> um, I think so. People have a perception of what the Playhouse is about. And, uh, and sometimes we've tried to play to that audience and it's backfired for us because our audience hasn't wanted to come and see. Give us an example. See. What do you mean? Well, some casting choices. I won't name names. No, but right. Some, sometimes <laughs> we've on. cast somebody thinking that it might draw in that audience. And actually, the reality has been that our audience has looked at it and gone, well, that's not what we expect to see at the Playhouse. Yes. And the Theatre Royal audience just considered us too arty anyway. And so they won't want to come and see it. So, so we've backed away from trying to tr attract that audience in that way. Is that, I mean, David, is that a familiar... Um, um, out of London story? Not for me, I have to say, because um, I've been always very innocent in the way the two regional theatres that I've been artistic director of, I've <coughs> carried on as if we were running the National Theatre of Bolton or the National Theatre of Lancaster. And the, uh, the principle has always been to do the highest possible quality of but that play. Would be, that would be just well, 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 as well. Well, we're not it? quite in that. I'm not <laughs> saying we have different principles, but for example... I think I've always asserted the fact that we must get the best possible actors we can get, whether they're famous or whether they're not famous. And I don't think I've ever been tempted to engage an actor because they might be better at the box office, because it's always, to me, the audience, I've always believed that the audience sniff that very quickly. And what I think audiences want is incredibly high-quality acting, <laughs> particularly at a theatre. But if I could just address yes, the A sure. word, which you sure. raised, the austerity, yes, word, austerity word. And I'll just... Because I didn't get onto disadvantages, but I'll try to, in a nutshell, personally, this is. Yes. And I know this will be true for a lot of other theatres. It'll also be true for theatres in London as well, I should yes. say. The main disadvantage for me is to do with cast sizes, and that's a direct consequence of funding imbalance. And I would say that... A lot of regional theatres, I think, are inadequately funded in a way that I think is just or fair. So that I know that it would make a huge difference to us, a massive difference, if we got, for example, £150,000 more in public funding a year. Now, In practical terms, I mean, without going into vast detail, what difference would it make? Huge, huge. What, well, to the cost Just sizes. give us an example. Cost sizes. Yeah. Okay, so I'd like, to do, I'd, like to do the, I'd like to do the Thropney Opera. I know it would yes. love it. We couldn't dream of doing it. We could never afford it. Right. You just couldn't do it. No, no. couldn't do it. No, right. definitely couldn't. And in fact, as, to put practically for our audience, it might be just no, even now we're trying to create our next season of plays. The okay. major issue is, can we afford to do that play? Can we have that many actors? Yes right. or no? Okay. And of course, you can't tell the audience that, the people of Bolton. You can't say, oh, sorry, no, no. we're only doing this play because sure. it's got four actors in. Um, but that would transform our lives. And, if, and I would also argue that, having worked in these big theatres, there is some little bit of slack that could be taken out of the big theatres that wouldn't really affect the big theatres that much, but would make a huge yeah. difference to the small theatres, both in London and the regions, it has to be fair to say. Rachel, touring and looking out from London, as it were, and going round, um, there are two things being said. I mean, what David's just said about um, the difficulty of casting, you know, he wants to do the Thrutney Opera, he can't do it. And a relatively small amount of money would let him do it. So that's the kind of downside. The upside is everyone here is saying communities are engaged, audiences are lively, you've said it yourself. Mm. When you go around, in terms of the, the temperature, the health, yeah. the prognosis, 
of theatre outside London. What do you make of it? Well, talking on an entirely personal level, um, the fact is that this week last year, theatres took, I know because of my theatre manager's um, hat on, um, took about the same amount of money as theatres in the regions took this time last year. So there's no great change. And, and so in, in many ways, it feels like nothing much has changed. We know that there's austerity. Mm. We know things are more difficult. But have, have we, as, as a group of people, responded to it well? Have we managed to keep the same amount of work out there? Yes, we have. And do audiences still want to see the things that we're producing? Yes. I mean, on, on a personal level, I would have thought that we're looking at a slight downturn. You know, it is a little bit more difficult. Yeah, but, but I not. think, But I think theatre was the last into, into the recession and will probably be the last out. Um, so I think we've got, a, a, you know, a, a tough times ahead of us. I suppose, Emma, you know, looking back at what you said, um, one of the things that people will say, look, in a time of austerity, um, people may well say, OK, we'll splash out on a West End show, you know, we'll go to see whatever it happens to be. Uh, that's the big show we might go into town for a night and find how much it costs. Uh, but we're not actually going to commit to going, I don't know, buying a season, uh, you know, ticket for a local theatre. I mean, do you find that that's affecting people's loyalty in your neck of the woods or not? Uh, very few people can come from Cornwall to the no, West End, no, no, so in many ways we're oh, not right, in so competition. I think there's a similarity just in audience behaviour, which is people want event. I think we are out of the days when you buy a ticket, you order your gin and tonic, yeah, you know yeah. where yeah. you sit and you go out yeah, and, yeah. and have a nice meal. I think people want something different. They, want, I think a, they want the real live experience. They really do. They want something fleshy. They want to feel excited. They want to feel challenged from the minute they, they yeah. arrive at a venue. And I think that's... In many ways, that's what the West End night out is, is that you travel, you have dinner, you yeah, have... Yeah, there's, yeah, there's it's clips. a traditional in, night out. Absolutely, but for us, we create that in a completely different way, and that's what audience are, are asking of us. Well, and Jim, what you've been doing in Tyneside for time immemorial, I don't want to make you sound too old, but I mean, <laughs> the, I know, uh, it's live theatre, it's called, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. It is all about the live experience. Now, do you think that the generation, let's say, in their 20s and 30s, uh, you know, and we all know what, what the range of experiences that you can now get without leaving home. I mean, do you think they're getting the sense of a live theatrical experience still being available? I think that the live experience, um, whether it's theatre or music, is one that's very special and people will always yearn for. But, but are they... No, I couldn't agree with you more. But, but are they going out and buying tickets for it? Yeah. They are. Yeah, right. I mean, it's certainly, I mean, we've got Cooking with Elvis by Lee Hall on at the moment, and that's a pretty young audience for a play that's been, you know, it was first commissioned by Live 15 years ago, yeah. and uh, um, that's a pretty young audience. Um, so I, I, I'm, I don't think that that's too much of an issue, certainly, certainly for us. I think what is really important is, the, is the, partly what Emma's just said, is that the whole sense of, 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 the, of the night... Um, people want want that the experience, and so you know the great the great restaurant, the the, the, the nice place to sit, the, the beautiful intimate theatre, all of that helps you get a ninety percent capacity, which is you know what we what we're, yeah, we've got. What's moment. your capacity at the moment, John? Seven hundred and seventy. No, but I mean night by night. What are you running at? 
65% over the year. And is that, I mean, obviously you'd like to be running at 95%. Yes. But is that, I mean, do you think well, you're doing quite well with that? The average generally in the yes. country yeah. for the um, TMA members is 60%. 60%, and that's including the West End? No, that's outside, that, that's outside the yeah. West End. 60% yeah. is the average. Yeah. So you're above, the, what are you running at, David? Well, it would be about 60%, but um, it's our audience numbers, which I prefer to think in terms of how many What is the people, octagon seat again? Uh, 387, yeah. but we have yeah. three configurations, so it depends yeah, yeah. in the round sort of thrust sure or... Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that's one of the most brilliant things about that theatre, but I would say the most successful play that's been done in the last um, 15 years was Of Mice and Men, yeah. that played to nearly 12,000 people. And then uh, the least successful in numbers, but very, very successful in terms of its impact, was a new play by David Lodge, which exceeded its target audience, and that was about 3,000 people. So it can range from 3,000 to 12,000. But, yes. but part of the trick of being the artistic director, I'm, until yeah, well, Giles would agree, would be to say that if you're going to do Long Day Jane tonight, you know you're not going to get as many people as yeah, you would if you... But it's, it's, like, it, it's like somebody um, laying down an orchestral programme where you yes. try to slip something in underneath and I mean, you give them sort of Beethoven 7 and then you say, by the way, uh, just to warm you up, we're going to listen to something by, I don't know, yes. Weber or something. And then maybe you'll come back next week. But I mean, that's what you're. What do you want your thirty-something audience um, to to learn? I'm not suggesting that it's a pedagogical experience. I mean, it's an emotional experience you're trying to deliver. But what do you want them to get out of it over the next five years? Let's say. Gosh. Well, the first thing to say is that uh, our audience is thirty-five percent, twenty-six or under. That's terrific. So, uh, you know, they're already getting something from it, whatever that may be. So, a third, um, just to just yeah. point that up, a third of your audience is under 26. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, I suppose what I want them to have is a combination of experiences. So, partly entertainment, partly to learn. Yeah, there is an element of that. But also, I think what, what you want to give people these days is a sense of... Uh, the opportunity of expanding the opportunities of the imagination. That's, yeah. that's the best thing of all about it. Why do you think they come? I think, I think they want to enjoy themselves. And the enjoyment isn't always about easy options. No. You know, enjoyment can be about challenge as well, and that's really important. And I and think that one of the things we've done uh, you know, over the years is challenge people as well. We have, uh, every year, we produce two new plays, sometimes three new plays, in a 760. 770 seat yes. theatre, yeah. uh, and we some of our best performing shows are new plays, and that's a really good place to be. Do you find? Uh, I want to ask you all about that. That figure of the under 26 is, is interesting. Do you find, uh, without getting into crude politics, do you find that the civic fathers and mothers of Nottingham <laughs> are with you, broadly speaking? I mean, I know you can't attack them in public. No, but, no, and, yeah. and uh, I, I don't need to, actually. No. I, I should say that no, funding yeah. has decreased quite significantly yeah, yeah. Uh, over the last... We've lost £155,000 in regional funding in the last three years. What's your... Our turnover is about one point... No, our yeah. turnover is about £4 million. Yes, but, but what, what percentage of the money you get is yes. 
Oh, God, I couldn't begin to tell you. Anyway, but it's a significant... But it's, uh, over three years, we've lost yeah, yeah, that amount right. of money just okay. from the local authorities. Yeah, right. But uh, they're very supportive of what we do. Uh, and they've invested right. in culture in the city quite significantly. And the interesting thing about that is that when I arrived in Nottingham, and I should say the change has nothing to do with yeah. me, so, what, uh, they've five, changed five quite significantly. Ago? No, I've been there for 14 years. 14, God. Yeah. Um, but they've changed their attitude to the value of culture quite significantly. Why do you think that is? Because that's interesting. When I arrived, they thought that shopping and restaurants and bars was the future. Uh, and they discovered not too long ago that that wasn't the case. And actually, the one thing in the city that has continued to grow and has continued to get Nottingham a good profile well, is culture. Well, look, it, it's interesting because um, I'm sure everybody here um, and everybody settling on this platform will, will be tired of making the obvious argument that if you know, a theatre is successful, it brings people in and they, you know, we all know the statistics. But, Jim, in your time in Newcastle... Um, do you think that there's been a broader recognition, even among people who perhaps are in some executive roles and would, would not be seen dead in a theatre unless they had to be there? Well, Do you think they know that more than they used to? Well, certainly in Newcastle and Gateshead, because of yeah. the incredible cultural transformation. I mean, £300 million was spent on no, concert halls and, so and, the yeah. and the Sage and the Baltic and ourselves and the Theatre Royal. And it's made an incredible difference to a post-industrial city. And is that do you think that that is broadly understood and accepted? It's is it a case that's taken as read? It might if I ask, Jim. It's taken as read. I mean, uh, the, uh, the, the, the local authority cuts and all the rest of it has put Newcastle in a very difficult position and they, had, they took a bit of a, 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 a reaction to the cuts by the government and then they, they said they were going to cut the arts for by 100% yes. and in the end they haven't done that. Um, so, but, but, you know, if I could just put that in perspective, um, for us, that would be about £50,000 a year. But in exactly the same year, they've, they've given me a £6 million loan at 2 or 3% for me to do my next capital projects, which is probably worth two or £300,000 a year right, to buy. So, so that, they're finding a different way of supporting you, if, if, even though they don't have the, you know, the revenue themselves. David, do you want to... I just ask Jim and then make a, a comment yes. in relation to what you're saying as well. Out of interest, you know when the council was going to cut all arts funding? Yeah. What was, in a nutshell, the story since then? How, what, what developed? Uh, um, there were lots of conversations in back rooms, as you'd expect. And um, I think um, the city council recognised that actually uh, they didn't want to do what they said they were going to do. Uh, and uh, so it's a, it, what I've said, it, basically it's a 50% it's the equivalent of a 50% cut as what's Which happened. Is in huge in, though, isn't it? In, in, is in, in, it? It's huge, is it? I mean, it's actually £600,000 out of an 80 million turnover for the, eight organis the 10 organisations that yeah. are involved. So, yes, it is not good. But uh, on, the, on, on, the, on another level, you know, they are helping cultural organisations in different mm. ways. So, yes, I would criticise Newcastle for doing it, but actually they're also being quite helpful in other ways. Because the context I was going to... Um, raise, I'm yes. interested to know whether it's the same for you as well, I presume. Like in <coughs> Bolton, for example, they, the Bolton Council have had to make £100 million worth of cuts in the last three years. Across the board. They now have to make a further £25 million a year for the next four years. That's decimating library services, all kind, all ki education, all yeah. kinds of things. Yes. Now, in that context, 
our council have maintained at standstill for four years in succession their level of funding, such is their commitment to the theatre, and also, well, as you were saying, their understanding that actually if they lost the Octagon Theatre, um, yes. it would have a huge impact on... And it, it, it's all about um, persuading people that there is a point beyond which you know, cutting becomes irrelevant, because if you cut beyond a certain point, then it's dead. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the key thing, yeah. isn't it? That's such um, a good point. It's so yeah. hard to get that across, because people assume, oh, you could, surely you could absorb a 10% cost. But there comes a point at which you can't absorb it, and then the whole thing well, collapses. Well, I, I remember one of the ludicrous things, you know, how long is the list? One of the ludicrous things the Arts Council proposed was affecting, I used to live quite close to the orange tree in Richmond. Yes, yes. And the cut on paper that they were proposing was actually quite small. But of course, in practice, it yes. would have meant that the place was dead. Now, yes. it was finally stopped because it was silly. But yes. there's this point that, you know, you, there's a point beyond which you can't go. And do you think people, Emma, from where you sit, do you think people understand that there is a limit beyond which things would just start to dry up? I think people probably don't understand. I think um, the, the broader conversation is quite a tricky one because we're constantly being asked, would you have a hospital bed or a theatre? Yes, and you yes. always say the hospital bed. No, but it, yes. but, it so I really, it's to do with how we value the arts and speak about valuing the arts. Um, I feel that this government speaks quite well about valuing the arts, but it's cutting us. Whereas yes. the last Labour government actually did quite a lot for the arts, but never spoke very well. So I feel that the conversation about the arts well, is quite interesting. That word conversation is terribly interesting, isn't it? Because um, there's a lot of argument about whether, um, you know, the, the discourse surrounding arts is um, a helpful one. Because as you say, if it, if it becomes an argument about, you know, do you want a new or a, a refurbished A&E unit or a theatre, I mean, you're forcing people into an absolutely ludicrous choice. Now, do you in your different ways feel that you can, in your communities and your regions, have a conversation that is above that level? I mean, do you, Giles, do you find that there's a real discussion about, you know, why this matters? Yeah, I've never had that question asked, actually. No. Uh, and and the, the, the question actually is, that's posed is much more about the relationship with education and yes. culture yes. than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that uh, I think that the general person in the street doesn't think in that way at all. Yeah. I think that's a sort of politician's construct, right. to be honest. Yes. So, you know, well, it may us, well be, but it, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't mean it won't come to it won't come to pass. That's the problem. It may well do, but I, it's yeah. certainly not something I think Emma we're in the position we're in at the moment. Right. Only that um, nobody on in Cornwall or our audience asks me that question. It feels that the national no. debate to me feels quite um, polarised. I think. If you I mean, read, I certain, have a real if you read certain newspapers, I'm afraid yes, the argument is, is put in those terms. Um, I feel, and this is my absolute downfall, is I wish I could give theatre free. It feels like an act <laughs> of generosity and inclusion and diversity. And what's harder and harder is the price tag that we have to put on it. We accept that we put on it. We accept. We, you talked about it. We have to be smart. But that—that's the changing. The people on the street just want to have a great night out and well, feel part of something. I mean, David, if, if you're going to the Octagon to see, I don't know, a long day's journey in tonight, yeah. and, you know, have a meal or, you know, have a drink beforehand, what, what, what do you reckon people are spending on a night out then? Well, 
one of the things that we're fundamentally committed to is the season ticket. Yes. And we, I think, correct me if I'm so wrong. So how many but shows would you get for buying a... Nine, or right. in this year, yeah. ten. Okay. And I think we're the only theatre at the moment that produces that advertises all ten so what plays for a year. And that for would, well, for, well, it's half price as a ticket. So right. you, if you buy a season ticket, it works out at £12 a ticket. And we have, at the moment, 1,622, I think, well, yeah, uh, season right, ticket right, holders. Yeah, right. And that will go up as the season progresses. And, and so probably, actually... Probably so, cheaper than watching Bolton Wanderers. It, it is. It, yeah. So £12 to get in, a pizza... Brilliant pizza, okay. costs you eight pounds. Right. What do you want to drink as well? No, Glass no, of wine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. okay. I would, I would say a, a really yeah, nice no, meal, no, twenty quid, picture. twenty quid. So it's smart marketing, top. Rachel. Mm. There, there, there's an elephant in the room here. Right. Another one. Another yeah. one. We've had one. There's, there's, Is this an African or an Indian? Well, this one. Um, <laughs> depends about how big the ears are. Yeah. Um, the, the difference about the, the, the funding cuts are happening in London and in the regions. So. The problems that regional theatres are facing are not significantly different to those that London theatres are facing. Theatres being cut means you produce less, which means ticket prices might go up, the amount of work yes. that's produced might be less. Um, but what, of course, you have in the, in, in the regions is um, theatres that don't have any subsidy whatsoever. Mm. And, and, of course, we are all sitting on this panel as producers, producers of work, yes. but there are, there are theatre, which doesn't happen in London, that makes the region significantly different to London, in that, the, the, that we have the unsubsidised West End, but in the regions we have theatres, you know, like Cambridge Arts and mm. like Malvern, um, that, are, that don't receive any subsidy at all and are, aren't producing any of their own work. And, and it seems to me that that must be even more difficult... In, in when, when the arguments haven't been won about the, about the cultural value of, of arts and entertainment, um, how those theatres can survive when producers are producing less and companies like English Touring Theatre you know, want to, to take work to those theatres. Um, but it's, but it's this whole different, a whole different argument. But you we, see, the, the interesting thing about that, that's a slightly... It introduces a gloomy note... And people have been very frank about the difficulties. But what strikes me um, about what you've been saying, and uh, I dare say struck people in the audience, we'll bring you in and, and in a moment or two, um, those of you who want to ask questions, is it actually surprisingly optimistic? Well, my point was actually that it is surprisingly optimistic. Yeah. Because Despite Malvern and Cambridge can produce fantastic yeah. work, or not produce, present such fantastic <coughs> yeah. work, given the fact that they have no subsidy whatsoever, then that... That is actually remarkably gloomy. I think the other, the other huge difference that regional theatre, um, the, the other way that regional theatre differs from London theatre, is the, is the fact that it's so light on its feet, yeah. and it's so responsive, and it's so clever, and it's so, and, and it, because it knows its community, it knows its audience, and the relationship, which I think, bet between a regional theatre and its audience, and a London theatre and its audience is very good. Well, also, I mean, let's just reduce it to rather crude simplicities. I mean, David's saying 12 quid a ticket if you buy a season thing at the Octagon. I wandered round the, uh, to a, a play that should be nameless, absolutely dreadful, actually, um, not, not here, um, across the river. Um, about six months ago, and I, I was at a loose end, something had fallen down, I went, I'll just go and see if I can get a ticket. And, and they said, oh, yeah, we've got a seat. And I said, well, what will it be? It was 80 quid. 80. Mm. Now, if I wanted to watch Chelsea, which I don't, 
Uh, but if I wanted to watch Chelsea, I'd probably, you know, pay less. And this was a, a pretty indifferent play, although it had rather big posters at the front. And I just thought, this is kind of ludicrous. It was just awful. Now, I know that in Bolton or in Nottingham or in Newcastle or in Cornwall or, or wherever you're touring, you know, I could have an experience, but people do get put off by this. Oh, yeah. Mm. Really. Absolutely. You've got to be clever to and quick. Quick-footed, and I also twelve pounds is quite a lot for some people oh, sure, to, to play as well. You know, so it's oh, and to commit themselves. To yeah, yeah, yes, um, and so we're now moving on to being able to pay by direct debit. You know, because that's a way of it will help people do it. But well, look, there's another. Before we open this up, let me just introduce one other thing. Uh, it's the vitality of uh, theatre itself. New writers, um, actors getting a chance to perform. Uh, you know, rep has not disappeared, but it's gone compared with what it was 50 years ago. How much of a problem does that present? Just the whole business of what the theatre itself is producing in terms of writing and uh, the art of performance, Jim? Um, as a, for a new writing theatre, it's, it's, we find it relatively easy to do. Right. As Roger said, you know, you have to be very quick on your feet. You, you know, we often we often have gone to print and we don't have the play. Um, it's 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 you know it's a dicey world. Yeah. But we're we're well so used we're well used to, to dealing with it. Um, so um, uh, so so getting the so, so not having a, a repertory theatre company. I mean, I I think that is a long gone thing. Yeah. And only you know very large companies in Europe can really afford it, or, or the RSC. Or but there's a distinction, isn't there? Is it, shall we clarify, repertory theatre in the sense that you have a permanent company yes. or something, yeah. and producing theatres. Now, I think the sad thing for me is I cited the seven ones I've worked at, yes. and this may all be to do with the fact that I'm the kiss of death, but <laughs> first one, Worcester Swan Theatre. That was a producing company when I first worked there. It doesn't exist now. The amateur companies. Chester Gateway, that had a year-round programme. There's a producing. theme here, David. Yep, there is. <laughs> and, and I know, that's what I said. Yeah, it's all down to me. That's now been knocked down totally. Um, Crew Theatre Royal, that doesn't have any producing company now. Most tragically of all, I think, the Nuffield Theatre Exeter, which is a fantastic theatre, does no, no producing work of its own at all. And... Uh, Duke's Playhouse Lancaster, which I was there for four years, now only produces three shows a year, whereas <coughs> when I was there, it was nine. And, and I think the tragedy for that is that it means that you don't get this sense of companies, theatre companies that develop a shared set yes, of values, yes. working methods, and that's... I think you do. I think you do. But to what extent do touring, I mean, Nihai or, or English touring theatre, I mean, to what extent do they compensate... For, you know, what is obviously, I mean, that's a fact, yeah, what I mean, David's laid out. And I would imagine that we, the English Touring Theatre, are, 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 you know, happily filling the gaps that, that theatre, producing theatres have to have because they can't produce as many shows as they, as they did before. We're happily going to um, presenting theatres that, um, mm. you know, to, to make up their programme of work. But I think what the, the thing that's happened massively over the last three years is that the role of commercial producers, independent commercial producers, to fill some of those gaps, both on, on the mid-scale and in the large scale. Um, and I think we are now in a much more of a mixed economy. And I'm not entirely sure... Why that do you think that's happened? 
Well, because there were holes. Yeah. Because yeah. theatres yes. weren't able to produce as much work as they wanted to. So they say, you know, Giles might be saying, instead of doing nine shows this year, we can only do eight, but we'll have in, you know, we'll have um, and knee Giles, high and do you, do you think that's something that you could do without too much reluctance? You can actually welcome it. You might actually want to take in a couple of touring companies. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think that's not actually the, the route we've taken. We have diversified, but we tend to program dance and comedy around the edges yeah, to fill right. the gap. Yeah. And we've tried to focus on retaining our production levels. So yes. we still produce 10 to 12 shows a year yeah. in Nottingham. However, the big change for us is that more of those are in partnership with other theatres. Yes. So yeah. we co-produce a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and the, the hidden bit of this is that what that means is there are far fewer productions out there, but it appears that there are the same numbers. Sure. So I mean, you do a co-production with, I mean, let's say for the sake yes, of argument, yes. the Octa, and where, you know, they'll have it for six weeks, then you'll have it, and you share the yeah. cost. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. yes. And yeah. we, do, we do that as well, but <clears throat> almost en entirely all of them produce. The reason I think it matters, actually, and it may, you may be right that audiences may not, to some extent, notice, but, um, and I'm not, I think I'm swimming against the tide a bit, Rachel, to be honest. Um, what I would be arguing for is the fact that if we're going into this new situation now, where theatres become combinations of receiving houses, um, do some of their own productions, have co-productions or whatever, which is the way we've gone. Almost entirely that's what theatres are now. That's what they are now. I would argue, though, that it will be tragic if we're not able to maintain a few companies that are essentially entirely producing... Because I cleave to... I've got yeah, this quote, so yeah, I think it's... Yeah, um, yeah. Stanislavski, for me, um, says, A theatre is not only a director and a good acting company with well-produced plays, it is an artistic body in all its parts. The entire ensemble of the theatre, director, administrator, finances and wardrobe mistresses included. Only in this way can the theatre bring its culture to the audience. Now, I think it's vital that there are some theatres that are protected yeah. in the eco-structure of British theatre that are fundamentally producing theatres. But just in opening it up, because we've got about 15 minutes to go because there's a show, obviously, on this stage in an hour. Um, what strikes me is that, to varying degrees, you're all remarkably... I don't know what the word is, maybe not optimistic, but certainly resilient. Deluded, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, it, the part of it is that you, you, to run a theatre, you have to be a bit deluded. Yes. Um, uh, but but I, I think that, that's true. Um, when I, I work with um, a bunch of organisations in, in Newcastle, and there's 10 of us, and yes. we had a meeting on Monday, and five of us had um, commissioned architects to work on projects for... Uh, for capital projects, so that that's, tells that's, you something about that's amazing. Uh, um, about, about about the kind of imagination and drive and determination of of people that run cultural organisations yeah. in this country, and 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 it you know and the, the point I, w I would want to make is and and it's you know a lot of this is outside London, and I think there's an issue. That I think there is a there's a big issue about what about public sector investment in. In London and the rest of the country, and is there imbalance? Yeah. And I think that's a that's a long-term political conversation that I think we should all engage in. Yeah, and it's it's bigger than just theatre. It's well. much I mean, bigger the whole, than much the whole waiting of London. Yeah. Emma, do you think you're just sort of barking to feel happy in theatre um, outside London, or is, no? I think are you I mean I think it's important. We, we we're doing yeah. great. You know, we're trying to be um, very flexible and very smart with our business planning and with our with our productions and with, and with each other. My, my worry, I have two worries, which I'd love to be able to say. One is that 
um, that it becomes harder to be brave. Now, we challenge each other all the time, but basically you have to be... You can't... Harder in what sense? Because of be public reaction? You, no, no, no. We, we now... Our funding is eroding. Yes. We're now getting smart to make sure that mm. we can compensate for mm. that, but we can't fail. Now, yeah. that's no bad thing. Nobody should plan to fail. But great art is always a risk. So, therefore, keeping up that the, the risky instincts and saying, yeah, we're going to run with it, that takes... Yeah. It takes more and more sort of chutzpah to manage that. And the second thing that I worried about is I worry about is the genuine new generation coming through. We're mm. all formed um, and experienced. Yes. And I was saying earlier, I came through on housing benefit, unemployment support, um, and you mean new generation of people coming into the business into the business where are we the nurturing yeah. the next generation of artists who can be smart and and skilled. You're and nodding, Giles. Do you agree with that? I do. I think that's. The thing that I see most in the East Midlands, it's much harder now for people who are starting out to find a way to support themselves. And that's not just in terms of the way we used to be supported, yeah. but it's also that the funding bodies are less willing to give money yeah. to people unless they really know who they are and what they're doing. So that risk element is taken out at that side. I think the other thing is, that, that in relation to that, that, that certainly Nottingham Place, and I know this is true of other organisations, yeah. Are, are trying to fill that gap. So we're handing over spaces and support, not so much money, but skill to try and give these artists and companies opportunities. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, most of you, I imagine, are staying for this performance or another performance in these hallowed premises. But can I ask you very warmly to thank uh, Jim and Emma and Giles and Rachel and David for giving us their time this evening. Thank you all very much. <laughs>